0: super talk mississippi media production
1: gateway rescue mission meeting the physical and spiritual needs of the homeless right here in jackson mississippi check us out at www.gatewaymission.org
2: howdy howdy it's rhino here and i wanted to say thank you for listening to middays with gerard gibbert here on super talk mississippi
1: Good morning, everyone and welcome to midday super talk mississippi i'm your host gerard gibbert rhino back in the studios we are down here at the uh, mississippi trademark for the dixie national sale of junior champions we'll be guiding you through the middle of your day with facts fodder and fine music on this friday eve yes indeed it is morning rhino how are things back there Oh,
2: not too bad. The, the sun is shining, and it doesn't look like there's going to be a cloud in the sky all
1: day. Beautiful day. Appreciate that after the weather moved through the area last night. We're in the trademark, folks, as you can tell. A lot of folks uh, walking around here, and a lot of buzz, a lot of excitement. And we are joined now by Mike McCormick, the president of the Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation. Mike, thanks for coming by, stopping by. A lot of activity, a lot of traffic already.
3: Well, thanks for having me, and that's exactly the way I was going to describe it. There's a lot of buzz here, a lot of excitement uh, here before the Dixie National Sale of Champions, a lot of excited young men and parents that uh, have animals in the sale.
1: No doubt. So it's expected to be a big day, and I've run into a couple of friends of mine already that said they have uh, made it to this this point, and they're pretty excited about uh, the contest and hoping to walk away with uh, what are the possibilities, some scholarships, right?
3: Yes, the, the 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 money that we'll uh, uh, bid on for the. Uh, sale of the uh, champions today will go to scholarships for the kids. Uh, it's a it's a great cause. Uh, these kids are have worked really hard to uh, get to this point. This is the Super Bowl of their year. They've been working all year long uh, around the state to uh, get to here. They've been up early in the morning and late at night taking care of these animals. It's a, a it's a leadership development uh, for them. These will be future leaders of our state. We're proud to be part of it.
1: Yeah, it's it's awesome, and uh, Mississippi really does a stand out. Among the 50 states in this area, does it not, Mike?
3: Yeah, I'm. Sure, I don't know what other states do, but we have a lot of interest in uh, this program here. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's a it's great cause. It teaches uh, great work habits uh, for these kids early in life. Uh, uh, they're they're feeding their animals before they feed themselves in the morning. They're at home after uh, school. They're not uh, inside watching video games. They're mm-hmm. outside taking care of animals and learning responsibilities.
1: And, and that'll carry them for the rest of their life. Absolutely. We, we need more programs like this to to uh, engender that sort of work ethic is so important to our country, to our society, and, of course, our states and, and community. All right, so talk about uh, Farm Bureau Federation and the organization's involvement in this event.
3: Uh, Well, we've been involved with it as far back as I can remember uh, with a a whole host of uh, uh, partners uh, that partnership with us, our insurance operations, uh, uh, as long as some other uh, business groups, and uh, Tell South Communication, your parent company, uh, partners with us on this. So what a great way to uh, support. Uh, Mississippi and support Mississippi agriculture uh, than to uh, give back to these kids uh, for scholarships for their future.
1: And there are a lot of folks just looking at the the committee members that give of their time as well to be part of this and participate in this and and uh, a lot of familiar names on that list.
3: Oh, yeah. E- everyone on there are, are business leaders of the state, and uh, they're just here to make sure these kids are, are taken care of, that, uh, uh, that we're working with them to uh, uh, make sure everybody uh, in the sale uh, comes away happy with uh, with the sale of their animals uh, that goes to their scholarships.
1: And, Mike, the members of the Farm Bureau Federation mm-hmm. and uh, your your business partners, they're also very supportive of this. And i, I got to believe that this team, is to a great extent a pipeline for their future.
3: Oh, absolutely. When we look down the list of uh, people in the sale every year, you will find that uh, um, the vast majority of them are Farm Bureau members. That's a requirement for me to be able to to bid on one of those animals. Uh, sure. You've got to have a membership with us. So uh, uh, we're proud to uh, give back to the community. So a lot of lot of people buy things and uh, with out-of-state uh, companies and organizations, and uh, that money just flows out. But here in the state, if you do business local, buy local, uh, those those the organizations that are giving back to mississippi's future mike does this event draw folks from outside of the state's borders as well oh absolutely i think you'll uh, see some uh, money coming in from some national organizations uh here to help support scholarships help uh, support the the people in the sale we'll definitely get some
1: do you find that that most of the participants uh is this a uh something that's handed down in their families i know you you yourself right come from a family of uh agricultural professions
3: Yes, uh, to be Farm Bureau President, you have to be a full-time farmer. I still farm down in Jefferson County. You will see multi-generations here, uh, that, uh, the, their, their fathers and mothers have been, uh, have done this, or grandparents have done this, but you'll also see some first-time uh, kids here. We've got some, uh, in the sale that, uh, hadn't done this, uh, their parents hadn't done this, they've just learned it and, uh done an outstanding job taking care of their their animals and uh we got a few of those in the sale and they may be the most exciting ones here <laughs>
1: that's that's awesome
3: uh so how long has this event been going on I can't tell you. As far back as I can remember, Some somebody else can tell you the year, but it's been going on a long time. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Every year we uh, set uh, records for the amount of money that goes through the sale of champions into scholarships, and we look just forward to setting another record this year.
1: I remember that last year as well. Now, out front... Uh, between the in the area between the trademark where we are positioned and the coliseum of course the ag up folks have all of their john deere equipment on display i know you and i talked about that last time we visited this equipment is so impressive and how that is changing the industry to make farmers more productive hopefully more profitable it's it's pretty important
3: the profit margins are very thin uh, on towards the bottom line for farmers and you have to be, uh, watch every penny that goes into your inputs and the, the technology that we've got out and coming out in the future that John Deere has, other manufacturers has, but, uh, it's amazing, uh, that, uh, uh, the things that we can do now that, that wasn't even envisioned a few years back.
1: It's incredible how that is changing. Give us a, an industry update. I know we just, you and I just t- talked in the studio about three weeks or so ago. How's it been going since then? What's the outlook for the year for the agricultural industry in Mississippi?
3: I think trade markets are going to be strong again this year. Uh, We will uh, have a lot of demand for our crops. I think the livestock industry, uh, uh, the uh, numbers of beef cattle uh, that's in the countryside now is down quite a bit uh, just because of years of unprofitability there. But uh, it's going to catch up this year, and a tight supply is going to help our uh, cattle producers uh, maybe put a little money on their bottom line. But it is just so difficult now with the input cost where they are, the inflation of what we're paying to get everything where it needs to go uh, is just so high it just doesn't leave much of that dollar to come back through the farm gate to the farmer.
1: Lots of talk. I'm sure you're well aware at the federal level about imposing some sort of taxes or fees on uh, cattle farmers in particular with respect to methane gas emitted by cattle. I believe that's already occurring in New Zealand, if I'm not mistaken. I read that article. It's yeah. just
3: amazing. They lead the, some of the world with dairy production, and they're telling their dairy farmers now that uh, just just crazy things about how they're going to combat uh, global warming and that it's the fault of, of cattle uh, that's eating grass out in the countryside. And it just uh, – it, it's. It it may cause uh, a little bit of uh, uh, carbon emissions there, but we're such a small part of that. To focus in on animal agriculture is uh, just a way to, to put the future of food supply around the globe. In jeopardy, I worry about our, our world and the and the unintended or the intended consequences. I think of what we're trying to uh, portray as animal agriculture being the enemy enemy of uh, the planet and global warming it doesn't make any sense. A lot of these uh, places that cattle are grazing, uh, they wouldn't be doing anything else uh, with that land. It's not row croppable land. It's it's uh, not good for much of anything else. So uh, uh, actually, cattle do a uh, great job of uh, uh, of uh, producing. A, a food supply off of some very low-value land and, and, uh, and, and uh, grass, and it just doesn't make a lot of sense what the environmentalists are putting out there, other than trying to make you a vegetarian. Now, I think that's what they're trying to
1: do. <laughs> well, and, and they have... Uh a war on on that uh, part of the agricultural industry as well with uh, fertilizers and other supplements that they want to outlaw for uh, because of the, the so-called carbon emissions from those products. But last time I checked, Mike, we need protein to live as humans as well, do we not? Uh,
3: absolutely. I can't imagine going through the world without uh, uh, animal protein. The West wasn't one on salads. You gotta have. A, you gotta be strong to uh, to get out there and survive.
1: It's so crazy. Well, I know. Your organization and others are certainly keeping up with that and working with uh, these politicians in Washington to stop this madness.
3: We're going to keep working farm every day as long as we've got farmers out in the field farming. Farm Bureau is going to be standing in the gap working for.
1: Appreciate it, Mike. Thanks for coming on. Let's have a good show. We're coming right back on midday's. We're at the Mississippi Trademark for the sale of Junior Champions. Stay with us.
0: With Gerard Gibbert. Let's do this. On Super Talk Mississippi. Let's go.
1: back everyone midday super talk mississippi live from the mississippi trademark we're here for the dixie national sale of junior champions joining us now gary blair the 2023 chair of the sale of champions committee thanks for coming on gary thank you gerard and thank you for super talk and what all
4: y'all do and uh it's great to be here we're excited about today and our sale and uh just excited about the young people that has been involved in 4-h and ffa over the state and uh, we've got 17
1: counties that will be represented today in the sale so that's great wow uh impressive youngsters and uh many of them of course are here vying for various scholarships can you give us kind of an idea of what that's all about
4: we started in 1983 a scholarship program first year i think we gave away a five hundred dollar scholarship these scholarships mostly go to the young people that have been involved in uh, showing animals with ffa and 4-h over the years but did not or do not make our sale and we wanted to recognize these young people that are involved but don't have the opportunity to uh, participate in the sale so our scholarship program is up to around 30000 and we're hoping to get that above 50000 very shortly. We have given out right at, and hopefully after today, maybe
1: a million dollars wow. over the years in scholarships. That is awesome. Well, we were just visiting with uh, Mike McCormick from Farm Bureau Federation in the last segment. And he was saying that in some cases the participants uh, just took this up on their own accord. It wasn't anything that was passed down in their family. Their family doesn't really have a, any attachment to the agricultural industry. They just took it up, got interested, and, and enjoyed it. And, of course, their families are here supporting them in these efforts. Are, are they future farmers, you think? We hope. We hope, having uh, spent 36
4: years uh, in uh, ag lending and uh, working for Southern Ag. Credit, who is a sponsor of the Dixie National and sponsor of uh, many of our programs here um, I hope we need more young people involved in agriculture We, you know there's opportunities today for urban ag as well as the rural ag and a lot of these young people as you said maybe didn't grow up on a farm but for whatever reason they um, were attracted to the idea of getting involved with some sort of agriculture and you know these young animals. Uh, we we now we have them um, showing rabbits. Uh, <laughs> we had our, I think our first rabbit show. Uh, those don't advance to the cell of champions, but that gives an opportunity for somebody that don't live on a farm yeah. to have an animal to learn how to work with that animal. And so, to, and the goat uh, program has just expanded greatly. So, goats are a whole lot easier to handle than a steer, and so that program uh, a lot of younger people you don 't need uh, a thousand acres to uh, raise a goat. you right. keep a goat on the on, in your backyard almost if, yeah. if, the, if, if you want to but it 's an opportunity, but the scholarship program uh, is something that we 're looking to greatly expand. We realize that uh, there are a lot of people that don't have the capabilities to maybe be here to be a part of a buyer's group, but they want to help and give back to the young people. And so uh, for the first time uh, this year, the Lucky Day Foundation has donated money to our scholarship program, and I want to thank them for being a part of that. They actually uh, made that in honor of uh, Mr. Ted Kendall III, who is one of our longtime uh, committee members, previous chair, and so, uh, and also has been very involved with Trustmark Bank, who is, right. is a major part of Lucky Day. We've got other foundations that are looking at making contributions. So, if there's people out there in the audience and say, Well, I can't be there to buy the, the grand champion steer, but I'd like to make a contribution uh, towards these scholarships. We have premier scholars, which are actually exhibitors, and they, they get those scholarships that way. And then we give out 30 scholarships based on application and need. Hmm. And those are the young people we're going to recognize this morning here. We will recognize about uh, 50 different individuals for scholarships. So it's a, it's, it's a up-and-coming part of our program it's not something that we have really uh publicized but uh cliff mitchell with the ford dealers uh gray yep. daniels ford cliff is the chair of our scholarship committee oh, just
1: so i'm walking by
4: <laughs> yeah and so uh cliff is really wanting to make that uh, bigger and better uh the ergon foundation and the ergon group uh bill there with lampton is is wanting to get more involved with the scholarship so the animals and the young people here for the sale today will get a lot of recognition, but we also want to recognize the, the young people, maybe, that have been more behind the scenes.
1: Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So uh, what, what I'm hearing through that, Gary, is that the... The program really relies quite a bit on the generosity of the private sector. Right,
4: and and these are Mississippi, mostly businesses and people. Yeah, that live here locally. Our committee of 32 members are involved with a lot of our businesses. Have been involved in uh, giving. Uh, de- doctor, uh, right here with our division of Ag, Forestry, and Vet Medicine. How are you? He, uh, he contributes, and uh, the, I did want to mention extension and 4-H, as well as FFA are a major part of what we do, and we could not do it without Mississippi State extension and our 4-H and FFA leaders.
1: Awesome. So it, uh, Dr. Could- Coble community effort yeah. all the way Yeah, of course the uh, agriculture being such a major uh, industry in our state the largest in aggregate industry in our state it's important that we continue to to facilitate the growth of the industry and opportunities to expand and, and make it more profitable and and more attractive because we we got right. eat.
4: and it's not just for the farmers and ranchers we're trying to like you said we got to eat uh we were laughing earlier today. We have a member of our board that is involved in the egg industry, and she egg prices are what everybody wants to talk about yeah. uh, in the grocery store. But a lot of times the problem is the prices in the grocery store are not being get, getting actually down to our farmers and ranchers. And so, you know, you walk in the grocery store and, and you say, well, those egg producers are making a ton of money. Well, she corrected me this morning and said, no, it's, it's a lot of money not going down to the actual producers of uh, the, the products that we eat and the things that we do. and So um, value added is a big part. Uh, we had a young lady last night that had been involved in the sale of champions. Uh, she has a dairy. But now she, she's in Pontotoc County, and she's taking the milk from her dairy and, and making cheese. And she has her own cheese product. So adding value to our ag products is very important
1: for us to get more involved in in Mississippi. Uh, I know you got to break away here in a minute, but before we go, the committee itself, of which you're a member and you're, you're of course, uh, your chair of the committee this, right. at this point very impressive group
4: there yeah it's we've got incredible We've got some great leaders uh, that are involved in um, all different segments of uh, industry uh, across the state uh, We would love to have more committee members we need uh, more members from the northern part of our state and our coast. So if there's somebody out there that say I want to get involved and I want to serve uh, and be involved in the committee, uh, we're looking for new committee members all the time, and especially uh, in the northern area of the state and the coast area, the southern part of the state. And uh, because one of the things that we were talking about last night, we need to get the word out to the Rotary Clubs and the Lions Clubs and the Civic Clubs and the other groups that may be uh, – Maybe don't have the knowledge of of what we do and how it all comes together. But this year, we're hoping to give uh, over $500,000 out either here at the sale, through the buying of the animals at the sale, or through our scholarship program. Half a million dollars. That's awesome. Well, thank
1: you. Appreciate you coming on, Gary. I know you got to go. We appreciate you sharing that information. Good luck with the sale. All right, folks. Gary Blair, 2023 chair of the Sale of Champions Committee, has been our guest. we got just a minute or so left in this segment, Uh, an open segment next. And then at 10.50, Jamie Swafford, marketing manager of Ag Up Equipment. Rhino just trying to pass on a couple of updates from uh, the legislature yesterday. It is deadline day. Deadline day for the general bills that have been deliberated in both chambers. Uh, And Ben from Madison writes, deadline day for the initiative process to get out of the Senate. Will be interesting to see if the chairman decides to call it up. Needs a lot of work, in my opinion, but hopefully they can keep it alive and send it over to the House. I hear you, Ben. We'll check on that. Perhaps the most controversial bill of the session that we can touch on when we come back is this expansion of the Capital Complex Improvement District. It has received lots of criticism from the city leaders. We'll discuss all that when we come back here on middays at the Mississippi Trademark for the sale of champions. Stay with us. Welcome back, everyone. Midday, Super Talk Mississippi. We are live at the Mississippi Trademark, the Element Well Studios, set up right here in the corridor at the Mississippi Trademark, a beautiful facility. Always enjoy coming down here. We're here for the Dixie National Sale of Junior Champions. And uh, joining us now is Mr. Ted Kendall, involved with the sale and a member of the committee a uh, a well known and, and long time family involved in the farming and agriculture business is Mr. Kendall thanks for coming on today. yep glad to be here yes sir it's a so day. this is uh, you know we were here last year i don't, i don 't remember the crowds being quite this big. this is impressive this is an incredible crowd here today you know we're, we're excited about the day it's uh it's awesome and and for these uh, these these kids to come out and, and show off and showcase their animals and, and the work that they've put into it, and, of course, vying for scholarships. It seems like it's a good way to get young folks excited about uh, perhaps becoming future farmers.
5: Well, I think it is, and, and one thing you mentioned, one word, is work, and uh <laughs> These kids put in a lot of work uh, with these animals to, to, to make it here, and, and, and even the ones that don't make it here put in a lot of work, and I think it's uh, it teaches them that, and um, this is a reward for it.
1: Yeah, and it's important, is it not, Ted, that the private sector and private individuals, companies, et cetera, they, of course, participate. They uh, make much of those funds available for these scholarships.
5: They do. And uh, one thing I've always said since my involvement here is, you know, in this state, we talk a lot about, we worry about our best and brightest leaving the state. Well, I can tell you, these are the best and brightest um, that are involved in agriculture. And these young folks don't want to leave the state. They want to stay here. They want to be involved in agriculture here, and involved with our with our land grant institutions. And I think that's one real plus of this program is is, is keeping these folks here.
1: Tell, tell the folks, uh, Ted, about your history and your family's history being in the farming business. I was just sharing with you before we came on the air, I, I've been out to uh, to the farm, enjoyed a little golf out there. Uh, un- unbelievable operation just west of here, uh,
5: the Bolton area. Yep. Tell us about that. We're, we're out in western Hines County. Um, we, we claim 1897 as our beginning of the farm. So we've been here, you know, through Three centuries. Wow. Uh, We raised beef cattle and row crops, operated cotton gin, got a real neat general store out there. So, um, yeah, we've been here a long time and uh, been involved in a lot of different things. And uh, one thing I would say is, on my behalf and my father who was involved in this program as well, um, this is one of the the neater and better things that we get to do during the year. Yeah. Well, do do you feel like, Ted, that the
1: success that your family has enjoyed and really the, the perseverance and just the, the endurance, which is difficult no matter what the industry is. I know your family, obviously, and you yourself, you've seen lots of ups and downs uh, in the industry, but do you get an opportunity to kind of share what
5: worked, what doesn't work, and, and how you manage through? Well, sure. It's um, you know, it's it's a like a lot of things, it, it's not always fun, but um, you mentioned perseverance, and that that's what it takes. And uh, uh, a lot of what these young folks do, um, you know, th- this is not a one- or two-week uh, deal for them. They're, yeah. they're, they're raising these animals all throughout the year. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's really hot, sometimes it's really cold. And uh, it, it shows them that uh, you, you've got to work to um, to... to get to the end and get to this process. But isn't that true about anything worth having? I mean, you've
1: certainly learned that. Uh, navigating all the treacherous waters of being in the agriculture industry—it yeah. it doesn't matter what the industry is—they've uh, they, all got their their sets of challenges, but they all have their sets of rewards too.
5: Well, that's right. And um, not only are, are these young folks tending to these animals and, and learn how to show them, and, you know, they're going to school and uh, participating in other things, and it, it you know shows a balance there that they have to
1: make. Yeah. that that is awesome and so mike was telling us earlier mike mccormick that uh, some of these folks uh some of these youngsters that are are showing their animals for sale uh, this may be their first time to ever do that and they come from families that are not in the agriculture business yeah
5: i do i think that was pointed out to us earlier today we've got some first-time participants and and what it means to them and uh then they can pass it on to other folks that they know that's incredible what what do you think that they
1: hear from their peers at that level that uh, when, when they decide that they're going to take this up and be a participant in this or perhaps they're strongly considering a career in agriculture or even at such a young age they're involved in agriculture on a small scale?
5: Well, that they are. And one thing I think that they all learn is the kind of support that they get from uh, obviously their the parents and, and uh, other Friends, and then you've got uh, the extension service that is all over the state, and this would not <clears throat> happen without the extension service being involved and helping out. And uh, it's it's a it's a big network, uh, yeah, all over the state. Well, that's what it takes. What about
1: being a farmer and being in the farming business? Because it is a business uh, in the state of Mississippi.
5: Ted, is this a good place to be a farmer? Absolutely, and um, you know when. Farmers are out looking for people to, to work on the farm, or, or looking for you know ag education. It's it's a lot of the uh, youth that come through these programs that uh, that wind up um, suiting those roles. Yeah.
1: Uh, what, what about the state of the industry right now, Ted? There's lots of discussion, of course, from consumers about the the high cost of uh, the products they see, the farms yield when they go shopping in the grocery store. Uh, but it doesn't seem like a lot of that... Additional revenue and those increased costs are making their way down to the producers, uh, the farmers themselves.
5: Well, yeah, that's true. One thing that is making a way down to the farmers is increased input costs. (laughs) So that sometimes also, we've had some some good crop prices. Uh, The livestock sector's dragged a little bit, but. Um, the input costs, as you know, have really increased, and so that's a, that's a big concern. And normally, uh, the ag prices will fluctuate. But sometimes the income. Oh, sure costs don't go back down
1: well it's uh it's a bit it's a commodity and it's unpredictable sure. and so the, it's um kind of the ul- ultimate market dynamics when you think about it the way those commodities are, are bought and sold on the exchanges and so forth and the and the farmers
5: are to a great extent at those whims well you're right in, in a lot of cases uh, in a lot of other industries people will raise their prices to make up their you increase right. costs. well we as farmers aren't able to do that right. we, we take what the market gives us and uh, that's that's kind of where we are now
1: yeah and well it's it's been interesting to watch and of course the pandemic has turned a lot of that upside down just because of of uh, supply chain constraints and and uh, a lot of a lot of changing dynamics all through that process
5: that have have lingered on although that that situation seems to be improving would you say sure it, it's getting better gradually um uh, the um we had some incredible supply chain issues with um things that we need to to raise crops and grow cattle um those things are beginning to ease up soon yeah
1: coming in uh looking at all the incredible equipment on display that uh, the ag up folks have we've got uh, them coming on the
5: program later it's unbelievable how that stuff is yeah Yeah, the machinery we use now, the technology involved is just incredible and uh, helps us uh, be more productive, which we have to be. Right. Um, But um, at the same time, uh, you know, those things are getting expensive as well. Well, the
1: modern farmer really has to learn how to master a lot of that technology to fully
5: utilize it. Absolutely. And that's one thing I'd say about these young people um, coming through this program. The modern farmer... That, that have got some experience like I have are, are looking for younger yeah, people that, that understand technology that maybe we don't always understand.
1: They grew up with it. They're accustomed to it. It doesn't intimidate them, and, and they're used to always learning new things. And sure. uh, You know, when we get older, we, we kind of have a tendency to resist that a little bit. That's just human right. nature, I think. But I, I would also think to a great extent that might attract young people in it.
5: Yeah, I mean... Agriculture is changing so fast with the technology and, and the, um, the things that people need to know. Um, so you're right. I think, I think that there are a lot of opportunities for young people uh, that have um, you know, grown up with that type of technology. But with the thin
1: margins and, and just the, the, as you said, the increased input cost, which is putting the squeeze on that. You got to figure out everything you can to be more productive, produce more yield, and
5: and just produce more dollars per your input cost. Well, you're right. It's uh, it's a, some pretty fine margins at times, and uh, we you know it's something we all struggle with. Yeah,
1: Ted. Congratulations on all your success, and for being really your family and what they've done in the state of Mississippi is something you guys should really be proud of. I know you are. We're we're proud of you and proud of your involvement in this organization, the Sale of Champions. I appreciate you coming. On, Ted. All right. Appreciate y'all, Lavus. Appreciate you being here. Yes, sir. Thank you. Ted Kendall has been our guest here on middays, the Element Well Studios down here at the Mississippi Trademark. Stick around, we're coming right back with Jamie Swafford, marketing manager for Ag Up Equipment.
0: do this. Middays with Gerard Gibbert.
6: Keep rolling. 3, two, 1.
0: On Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Midday's the Element Well Studios relocated today to the Mississippi Trademark. That's where we are for the Dixie National Sale of Junior Champions. And joining us now is Jamie Swafford, the marketing manager for Ag Up Equipment. Jamie, good to see you again. It's
6: good to see you.
1: Yeah, so I, I couldn't help but notice all the very fancy John Deere equipment walking in. It doesn't even look like farming equipment <laughs> I remember. It is very impressive
7: it is the technology in our equipment today is incredibly pr- impressive um and we tried to bring as much of it as we could <laughs> from big to small
1: it's it's awesome uh so you know one of the things that i've i gleaned from our guests thus far that of course are farmers and very familiar with the farming industry is just how important it is to have uh, these sorts of tools that John Deere makes and that ag up uh, markets and works with farmers on to help them cut costs, increase yields, be more productive, because the margin pressure is incredible.
7: That's right, and we are focused on being good stewards of the land as we always have been and to continue to feed the world. Um, we have got to continue to innovate and use technology to do things like use less fuel consumption and uh one pass type deals in the field and things like that so we're committed to that john is committed to that and uh we bring it all together for our customers
1: it's in, it's incredible. Uh, so, uh, one of the things that, of course, we hear a lot about, certainly in the news, is just supply chain constraints and the uh, limited availability of of uh, products and and uh, not only not only new gear but uh, components, uh, parts replacement. How's that going now?
7: That's actually clearing up. we, okay. are, we are having okay. a lot better time with that. Twenty twenty three is going to be a great year. And uh, I don't think we'll have have that going forward that we've seen in the past couple of years.
1: So, is is the backlog? Is that um, the lead time shrunk here it recently? Has.
7: It has. On most on most items, there's there's still some things that you may have to wait for, but it's not like it was during the pandemic.
1: What's new that the farmer should know about that maybe? Because you guys you're now spending a lot of time educating them because every new stuff is introduced.
7: Well. Stay up on everything because they have to And the technology that they're Purchasing They they, they get a lot of training And one on one time With um, staff to, to be updated. But we also have things out here like um, compact utility tractors for smaller property owners. We have uh, poultry equipment out here for poultry growers because we talk about the big tractors all the time, but there's so much more to it in the agricultural world than just the, the big, the big fun yeah. machines. So, yeah, yeah.
1: Sure. John Deere has really transformed. As a company, mm-hmm. uh, I, I like to describe them as a technology company that happens to build farm implements and farm equipment.
7: I think that's probably how they would describe themselves <laughs> today. They are, they are committed to it. I mean, if, if you don't adapt, you're, you're going to die. So yeah. they have adapted and they will continue to adapt. Very innovative. Yes.
1: Unbelievably innovative.
7: It's an incredible company to work for.
1: Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, I, How's business going? Speaking
7: of that, it's going well. We uh, we're getting ready for spring. Yeah. We've got some great deals on um, like the three tractor I just mentioned. The little compact utility we have zero for sixty months and and an additional thousand dollars off. So um, we're getting excited. Mowers are coming in. We've got lots of tractors showing up. So it's going well.
1: And something else that uh, your company is uh, known for is, is service. You've got multiple locations.
7: That's the most important part that I feel like people need to know is is our locations allow us to provide the service and the parts after the sale. Because you can buy the equipment, but you need the parts and service um, to continue. Not, you don't just need to buy a tractor and, and leave. We we are committed to the parts and service as well as selling you the equipment. We're, we're here for the long term.
1: And you guys develop these long-term relationships with your customers as well. I we mean it's, want it's generations of them and it's repeat business.
7: Every customer, whether they're buying a lawnmower or a small tractor, we want them to be our customers for life. So we want to make sure they have everything they need to do what it is they want to do on their property and do it efficiently and effectively in a great price.
1: Yeah. Your outlook for the industry is positive, I take it? it seems like it.
7: I mean we have to eat right yeah, so, I, yeah. I agree it's yeah. uh,
1: it's ne- necessary uh, necessary wares to produce the food that we need to eat and of course uh, Would i back- like it
7: to be as good as last year absolutely <laughs> <laughs> but, but it may not be as good as last year but yeah we, we are we have a positive outlook and we're looking forward to spring and everything from you know the small stuff to to large farming we're looking forward to everything that that starts
1: well, it's certainly a crucial part of serving Mississippi's farmers, no doubt. Your company is, and, and that's important because that's a big industry. And like you said, we got to eat, and of course, uh, agricultural products are used in so much more, so much, so many more applications than just the food we eat as yep. well. So yep. it's a very diverse ecosystem. But Jamie, appreciate you coming on. I know we're going to talk later on the program as well.
7: Thank you for having us.
1: You got it, Jamie Swafford, Marketing Manager, Ag Up Equipment, has been our guest. It's time for a break. The top of the hour means Super Talk News and Fox News. When we come back, Representative Sam Creekmore from Union County. Please stay with us. And
0: now,
1: back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi. We are live at the Mississippi Trademark. We're here for the 2023 Dixie National Sale of Junior Champions, and joining us now, kicking off the second hour of middays, is Representative Sam Creekmore. Representative Creekmore, always good to see you, sir. Not
8: far from your home away from home, the Mississippi State Capitol up the street. Yeah, I just came right down. I've actually got a bill that I'm hoping they won't get to before the show I got you. is well, I, going on. I know it's a busy day. It's deadline day. Deadline day. Yeah. That's right. And I've got one left. Okay. Uh, to, to get out so hopefully we, we can get that done
1: everything going okay to your satisfaction as far as your bills at this point
8: uh, yeah I've, I've had good luck and, and as you know I've, I've worked extremely hard over the summer as many people have on the Mississippi Collaborative Response to Mental Health Act and it's a, it's a heavy lift and it involves so many people that work in the mental health business but it also involves around 750,000 to a million Mississippians who are touched by the mental uh, health issues so it's a big part of our state, and it's something we attack passionately about. We were able to get that pass out yesterday at 117 to one vote. So really, there was a lot, there was a lot of debate, and a lot of lot of interest, but also a lot of support. So I'm, I'm hoping we send a message to the Senate to uh, please look at this carefully and respond to it.
1: Well, uh, this is an issue that it feels like Representative Creekmore in our state maybe hasn't gotten the attention that
8: it needed to, to receive. Well, what attention it does get is, is pretty negative, especially back during COVID. With we had people, victims, patients that ended up in jail. Yeah. And there are many reasons for that, uh, some miscommunication between the different agencies. But One, one of the biggest reasons is the Department of Health is down – uh, 1,200 employees we may have enough beds but we don't have enough staff and that's a tough that's a tough feel because it's a 24-7 to monitor uh, these individuals and uh, they're hard jobs yeah. and so I, I know Wendy and Department of Mental Health has, has worked to raise wages uh, to, to fill these positions but that that's a big part of it there but through awareness and, and, and through some of the publicity they've worked extremely hard to keep to try to keep a lot of these people out of jail and in the proper places.
1: Yeah, and and that, it just seems like that that's the dis- discernment that needs to occur, is that when we have folks that get into trouble so often, it is a mental health issue that needs to be addressed, and going to jail ain't fixing
8: it. It's not fixing it. It's a mental health issue, which sometimes, and many times leads to a substance abuse issue, Yeah, which all goes back to the, to the mental health. And so many times, law enforcement's, They're called first responders for a reason. They're the first ones on the scene. And that's where we started with this bill is uh, to get them some help. And that's through education. There is a program called Mental Health First Aid. It's an eight-hour class. It costs $40. We've got around 11,500 police officers in the state of Mississippi. We're asking all of them to receive this Mental Health First Aid, the basic. Uh, And that's for their protection as well as for their... Where they can identify substance abuse, mental health orders, and know the right procedures and where to place these people—that that's basic. And and the the um, house is committed to funding this. And it's not, at the end of the day, it's forty dollars per person. We're giving them an eight-year window for everybody in the state of Mississippi, every law enforcement officer in the state of Mississippi to receive this training. So I think that's that's generous and, and plenty of time. But it, it not only will help the patients, but will help the police officers. Yeah. Ano- another one is. Uh, CIT training um, crisis intervention trained officer okay. and that is a, a much higher level that's a 40 hour class and not every police officer has that aptitude for the CIT training so we're asking every law enforcement agency to have at least one CIT trained officer many in our state have more, one or more right now but it that's an advanced course in education and where, where they recognize even in further detail how to, how to handle these people. In Tennessee, they've done something similar, and it has reduced officer injury 80% in dealing with mental health issues. Wow. So, and that's that's significant. So as I mentioned, it's just, it's just as much for the law enforcement officers as it is the patients. Well, the staffing issue uh, at okay. mental health... And this is
1: obviously probably the number one problem that is plaguing the entire health care sector. It's yeah. not unique to the Mississippi Mental Health no. Department whatsoever.
8: This is an issue we have nationwide. It is. I know for a fact instance in North Mississippi where the Community Mental Health Center lost workers to Taco Bell because their wages were higher. Unbelievable. And and, and I get it. I mean, they got to do what's best for their family, but we need to be taking care of these people. And I've worked with, closely with Wendy Bailey, and they've been great to work with. And they are working to get the wages higher. And hopefully in some of these appropriations for this bill, they can use some of that money for that. It's not spelled out in the bill for that right okay. now. But we, as you know, we got a long process to go. Yeah. Another key factor, I think, is, is a position called court liaisons. And this is something... Democratic Senator How Bryan started as a, as a pilot project in North Mississippi, and it, it works. And the court liaison is a person who's in the uh, chancery's office or in the office of the community mental health center. And when somebody comes to be admitted or is picked up, they intervene and and help them through the entire process, all the way through when they leave. So it's kind of it's like a counselor, and not only does it help the patient, but it also helps. All our agencies involved in getting this person to the right place and the right it even helps in finding the beds. Which yeah. um, and what we did, we're saying uh, counties with 20 or more admittances to treatment for mental health will get a court liaison. Okay. Right now uh, there may be three or five in, in the state of Mississippi. The Department of Mental Health has used ARPA funds to create 18 more positions, but based on our model with 20 or more. We would need 50. So we got positions, that if this bill comes through, that we'll need to fill. But at least we'll have the money and the, and the people or the positions there that hopefully people can fill.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, it's just a constant problem. It seems like it's the same problem we have with law enforcement in our state and corrections in our state. It's uh, it's a function of being able to compete when you have got a tight job market the way we do. And we're trying to get folks to fill these positions into these roles, and you're competing often with the with the private sector who's doing the same. You're competing with the same talent pool. Then we're competing against other states, right? And other and, states as well. Yeah. Absolutely, good point. And so. that, that has been an issue that. And again, it just seems like that the pandemic turned all that upside down because we shut so much down and sent so many people home, and it, it, it just seems like the deck got shuffled uh,
8: rather violently. Honestly, <laughs> right? No, and it, yeah. It, the pandemic exposed so many weaknesses that we had in our state, with uh, healthcare being one of them, and uh, and we've talked about other things too, education and broadband, but yeah. uh, the. the Back to the mental health, though. we 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 think uh, this bill can really help. And I'll tell you, and I, I want to mention the community mental health centers, what the CMHCs. This mental health has so many acronyms; it took me a month to figure out all what they all meant. But you know, they're a vital safety net for all our communities. We've got 13 regions of community mental health centers. There's soon to be 12. One of them's going to be absorbed by the others. But they're not a state agency. Uh, they're a non-for-profit agency that's funded by federal grants, okay. state grants, and supervisors. And they do receive some Medicaid. But they're not directly under the legislature or the Department of Health. So we need, we need to get them <coughs> is m- more help and have them communicate with law enforcement and the chanceries. Because there's so many admittances come through chancery and law enforcement. And the lia- lia- liaisons are going to help with that. But these CMHCs are made up of a, they have a board, and their, their members are called commissioners. Okay. And each county inside each region, as I mentioned, we'll soon have 12, the supervisors pick a commissioner to be on that board. So one, one representative per county. But there are no guidelines as to who can be on that board. You know, a 12-year-old could be on the board. Not not that that's the case in the state of Mississippi, but we did put some guidelines in there to help with this communication and and so people would understand the process. So we asked that a chancery be one of the commissioners and a law enforcement officer from that region. And we gave them a four-year window because we don't want to kick the current commissioners out who are passionate about it or, or anything like that. But... But to, so that everybody can understand the process of how we get from the police officer picking them up or somebody being admitted to getting help from the CMHC.
1: Got it. Makes makes perfect sense because I, I think that gets overlooked. I, I don't know that the average citizen understands
8: that process yeah. and how often that comes up. Well, it took me a while just to understand it all, and, and um, I've learned through this that there, there are many passionate people who care. Who are in this industry? No doubt, and, and and there's some that just disconnected, and and that's what we're trying to hold accountable. Makes perfect sense.
1: Representative Sam Creekmore, appreciate you coming on, sir. Thank you. Yes, sir. And uh, I know it's pleasure. deadline day. You got to get back, and we'll certainly be checking in on that as well. But appreciate you coming on. Yes, sir. All right, we'll take a break right here on midday's. We've got Jamie Swafford, marketing manager of Ag Up Equipment, coming back on at 11:50, along with Greg Columns, the sales manager at Aga. Equipment. We'll be back with some more talk to give you some updates right after this.
6: In the street, in
0: the boys, in, you Middays with Gerard. Gale. What? What? This is
6: so awesome.
0: On Super Talk, Mississippi.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi live from the Mississippi Trademark. We're here for the Sale of Champions, the Dixie National 2023 Sale of Junior Champions going on right now. These youngsters are showcasing their animals and they are vying for scholarship dollars to help them. Move on to the next level of their education and hopefully return to the great state of Mississippi or stay here and uh, become productive farmers and agricultural entrepreneurs, workers, etc. That's the goal here. So, Rhino, yesterday we were talking about the various pins that members of the Congress were uh, displaying on their person, on their clothing, especially. In attending the State of the Union speech a couple of nights ago, and you know we were discussing the crayon. Remember that the crayon. Oh yeah. It was was uh, visually, or I should say, visible. Pardon me, visible on the on the chest of Elizabeth Warren, her sort of customary blue suit on her person with the crayon pen a full size crayon i figured out what it is they are wearing those pens to signal their support for the federal government to invest in child care there you go now is it a bit offensive though to use a crayon to represent a child or child care just kind of thinking out of the box here i mean that assumes that all children use crayons or only have the intellect i guess to use a crayon as a writing instrument or an artistic tool we can't do that can we that that's that seems to be assigning a specific profile to the younger folks in our country. But that was the purpose of the crayon. Senator Elizabeth Warren, of course, showed one as well as representatives Catherine Clark and Representative Presley, Ayanna Presley. They were seen wearing the crayon pins (laughs) to show their support for the federal government to expand welfare let's just go ahead and call it what it is expand welfare so the government will take care of your child or at least they'll pay for the care but you know it will have strings attached so that that care would include daily indoctrination camp as well senator patty murray it turns out from the great state of washington also had a crayon pinned to the lapel of her smart suit there. Unbelievable. And of course we discussed Senator Ed Markey from Massachusetts who was wearing the abortion pin and uh, that came from Planned Parenthood and of course the O of the word abortion, it was a stenciled type pin and the O hollowed out into the shape of a heart to, to uh, form the center of the O, meaning, I love abortion. These are sick people. Members of the Congressional Black Caucus, which includes Ayanna Pressley and many other Democrats, they wore, get this, a black button with the year 1870. Why is that significant, you ask? That is... To protest police brutality. I didn't know that. In 1870, a Philadelphia police officer killed Henry Truman, an unarmed black man. The officer chased Mr. Truman into an alley in Philadelphia. And when the uh, person, Mr. Truman, asked what he had done wrong, the officer shot him. So, Representative Bonnie Watson Coleman of New Jersey said in a video that she published on Twitter, 153 years later, the black community is still waiting for justice. First I ever heard of this one. Were you aware of this incident? This story, Rhino? Uh, vaguely, but yeah, it's more pandering. <laughs> more pandering. Uh, also, of course families of black people killed by police officers attended the State of the Union. Now, let's be clear, we don't support police brutality. We don't support any kind of unfair treatment to any person. It doesn't matter what their race is by police. We believe that police ought to abide by the standards and the policies and the laws in the country in the community in which they serve. And when they step over the line, they need to account. This is what we just witnessed in Memphis. But, of course, the bad acting police officers there were all black. But they always want to make it a racial thing. Always a racial thing. Not like everything else in our country. Speaking of which, House Bill 1020, which would create... A special judicial district for the Capital Complex Improvement District. It would first, of course, expand the Capital Complex Improvement District, as we've discussed on the program. Create a special judicial district where the judges would be appointed rather than elected, and it would extend uh, police protection of that area. For uh, it would be provided by the capitol complex police and that is probably the highest profile bill i would say to date in the state capitol it's gotten the most attention it received several hours of debate amendments the legislation did pass the house yesterday and now it is headed to the senate it's pretty interesting uh, the, Of course, the mayor has denounced it rather strongly. And those that favor the bill, of course, say this would help with the city's crime problems because the Capitol Police would have purview to patrol that area would be responsible for it. And, of course, it's no secret that the city of Jackson... Is beset with a crime wave, a dramatic increase in crime that is causing all sorts of problems in our capital city. Representative Trey Lamar introduced this legislation. He represents Lafayette and Tate counties. He says, "I like to come to Jackson because it's the capital city, and do so, and pardon me, and so do my constituents back home." Whether they be black, white, yellow, brown, it doesn't matter, quoting Representative Lamar here. When they come to the capital city of Jackson, they want and expect to feel safe and avoid carjackings and other types of crime. All I'm interested in is helping the capital city of the state of Mississippi be safer. That's it. Those against the bill call it racist, saying the state is simply trying to take over the capital city. This is probably the most oppressive legislation that I have seen in my history here in the state of Mississippi, said Jackson Mayor Chokwe Antar Lumumba. Legislation that takes away people's rights to elect people who oversee such important roles within their county legislation. Pardon me, within their county legislation which puts a military force which has no accountability over them. I guess what I would say here and by the way the ACLU has also written a rather lengthy scathing rebuttal of the legislation. I wish we didn't have this problem. When you when you fail to protect and secure the citizens within a city, in this case Mississippi's capital city, when that when that is failing and it is not getting the job done for the citizens the first role first most important primary responsibility of government at all levels to protect people when that's not happening action has to be taken I don't like to see this I wish it weren't necessary I'm not sure what the alternative is because the city of Jackson thus far and the leaders that are responsible for governing the city I'm not sure they've provided any other recommendations or any other plans to address these critical problems. It's crime, it's water, it's infrastructure, it's economic deterioration. I've not seen that they've provided any plan to solve those problems. We're at a break right here, coming back with more on middays. Once again, we're in the Element Well studios down at the Mississippi Trademark for the sale of Champions. Stay with us. Welcome back everyone, Midday Super Talk Mississippi, live from the Mississippi Trademark. Today we're here for the Sale of Champions, the Dixie Nationals Sale of Junior Champions going on today. These youngsters showing their animals, trying to earn some scholarship money to help them on their way with their remaining education we've got Jamie Swafford, marketing manager Ag Up Equipment coming on in the next segment. Andy Gibson, the Mississippi Agriculture and Commerce Commissioner will join us at 12:05. The Voice of the Dixie National Rodeo Mike Mathis at 12:20 in the next hour on midday. So we were just talking about this house bill representative 1020 which would extend the capital complex improvement district you recall rhino we first learned about this measure from representative nick bain he was discussing it it uh i believe it was taken up or came out of his committee if i'm not mistaken he's one of the judicial uh, committees And we weren't aware of it until then. And that got picked up by the local news outlets, actually picked up our discussion of it on middays and published some reports about it. I don't recall seeing it in any of the local news outlets until Representative Bain came on and shared the the details of that bill with us. And essentially what it does is it carves out a region of the city of Jackson and it, it then incorporates that region as drawn on a map with boundaries into the um, into the capital complex improvement district, which presently is concentrated, as you would imagine, around the state capital downtown. So it extends it north, east, and west the boundary being County Line Road to the north, which is the street that that forms the border of Hines County to the south and Madison County to the north. And in doing so, it would extend the jurisdiction of the Capitol Police to have patrol responsibility and policing responsibility for that district. But it would also create uh, new special judges, a special judicial district, if you will, and this was a, a matter of a great deal of contention. These judges would be appointed. The attorney general's office would be responsible for appointing prosecutors to take cases, and public defenders would public defenders would work underneath the Mississippi public defenders, the Mississippi Supreme Court would appoint the judges to hear civil and criminal cases in the extended capital complex improvement district. So Supreme Court appoints the judges. The Attorney General appoints the prosecutors and public defenders. That is the model contemplated by House Bill 1020. So this bill has passed the House. I shared yesterday on the air that watching the debate Uh, unfold on uh, Tuesday that the voice votes on the numerous amendments that were offered on the floor were quite uh, robust, shall we say, a very high level of uh, decibels in those voice votes. I've never seen anything quite that loud in the chamber on both sides, the yeas and the nays, which honestly sounded fairly close because they were so loud it was a bit difficult to discern but when you saw the individual votes in the vote tally displayed on the big screen in the chamber the pretty much on party lines the amendments were defeated one of those amendments would have required that the judges be appointed from residents a pool of residents that are qualified in Hines county judges appointed would have to be residents of Hines County and that was defeated and that was met with a fair amount of backlash from Representative Robert Johnson the Democrat minority leader in the House of Representatives very interesting debate so Rhino you and I were texting earlier I'll have to admit folks I'm I'm fairly familiar with Robert's Rules of orders, Order but I'm not terribly familiar with the procedural move of uh, making a motion to reconsider, because based on what I can tell, typically only a member who has cast a vote on a on a, a measure or an issue or an action item in a in a Roberts Rule of Order setting, only the member who voted in favor. Uh, Actually, not in favor. Who voted with the side that prevailed has the option to make a motion to reconsider. So if a bill passed and you voted for it, you would have the option to make the motion to reconsider. However, best I can tell right now in the state of Mississippi, any member can make a motion to reconsider. You don't have to necessarily be one of those who voted with the prevailing side on that measure. So anybody can make that motion to reconsider. When the motion to reconsider is then put forth to the body to either table it or not, if it, if it doesn't get tabled, it stays on the motion to reconsider calendar and it is subject to just dying on the calendar at that point, in which case it doesn't pass. It's it's killed. When it is tabled, it remains alive and the bill proceeds. Is that the way you understand it,
2: Rhino? Yeah, and I think the, uh, the reason anyone can bring about the motion to reconsider is because isn't it also in the rules, at least in Mississippi, that you have a certain amount of time after you cast your vote to change your vote? Which would make sense if you were voting in opposition to a bill, you could then, hey, I changed my vote to for the bill, hey, I'd like the motion to reconsider. It just removes that step.
1: That's right. Um, But but so so you recall last year, one of the more controversial measures was the bill that would uh, raise pay and increase the office expense, really, is what it did for members of the legislature. And it was Senator Chris McDaniel that made a motion to reconsider, and that motion did not get tabled, which would suggest that folks were having second thoughts about it and it then died on the calendar this particular measure did get tabled which means it stays alive uh, and so therefore it will be transmitted to the senate where the senate will take it up That's that's the procedure to my understanding. If anybody understands something different, please let me know. Rhino, is that the way you understand it as well?
2: Yeah, and the only other facet I would add to it is that the motion to reconsider is really only deadly to a bill or a motion if it's up against a deadline like deadline day or signy die. Because all the motion to reconsider does is takes it off the agenda for the day, and moves it forward to the quote-unquote next meeting. Right. But if you have a You're, deadline or you sign a die, there is no next meeting.
1: Right, and therefore it dies, and that's what happened with the uh, the pay raise last year. So with respect to this one, I guess what I was a, a little uh, perplexed about was that the motion to reconsider was entered Looking at uh, uh, the record here by Representatives Lamar, Stevenson and Rosebud. So this is Representative Trey Lamar's bill. I, I, I'm struggling to understand the logic there. This is Representative Trey Lamar's bill, yet he entered a motion to reconsider. He was one of the three. So I'm not sure I understand the rationale for that, and it, it's probably not anything that's earth-shaking honestly but it did get tabled um and and thus it that means it will be transmitted to the senate for consideration is where we are with that bill right now if anybody again understands anything different please let me know and i apologize it's just something i haven't really spent a lot of time analyzing uh you know more focused on the the crux of the policy and and uh more so i guess than the rules and the and the various procedural moves that could be made with something like this so we'll i think when you do something
2: like that when you enter a motion to reconsider it's usually just all right we've had enough debate on this it's our we're not going to get any farther today we can reconsider it tomorrow how about that that's a compromise if you don't like what we will reconsider it tomorrow and then you motion to reconsider and you come back the next day and Cooler heads prevail.
1: Yeah, but when it gets tabled, though, right? So that puts it up for a vote. A vote as to the disposition of that motion is my understanding. So it can be tabled or not. And in this case, it got tabled. If it doesn't get tabled, and it and it uh, passes the deadline, it dies. Is my understanding at that point. Well, we'll keep digging through that. We appreciate you joining us today. We are at the Dixie National Sale of Junior Champions at the Mississippi Trademark. When we come back, it's Jamie Swafford, Marketing Manager, Ag Up Equipment, and Greg Collins, the Sales Manager of Ag Up Equipment. Stay with us.
0: Come on. Come on. Middays with Gerard Gibbert.
9: All right, we are back.
0: On Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Midday, Super Talk, Mississippi, down at the Mississippi Trademark. That's where we have repositioned the Element Wealth Studios today. Deadline day down at the state capitol. We're here for the 2023 Dixie National sale of junior champions. Joining us now, Jamie Swafford, Marketing Manager, Ag Up Equipment. All right, Jamie, lots of traffic in here today. I bet lots of folks are looking at that beautiful John Deere equipment you I guys so. got positioned out there. <laughs> Maybe take some of it home with them.
7: They can. <laughs> Come see me.
1: All right, uh, so we need to talk about uh, the poultry equipment and the compact tractors that you guys offer. We didn't get to that in the last discussion. Tell us about that.
7: Uh, the poultry industry in Mississippi is, I think, the largest... Part of Think our agricultural right. industry. Think I don't have right. the exact numbers, but it's it's a big part of our industry. And uh, Ag Up is committed to be in the place that you uh, get your poultry equipment, that you get it serviced, and that we have the parts and we have what you need. Our our poultry tractor that is specialized for the market is all about. Efficiency, helping you run longer, cooler, and being easy to clean out. So we have some of that here. We also have implements that are that John Deere doesn't make, the the housekeeper, um, the litter pulverizer, things like that. And we have uh, staff that are dedicated to making sure you know how to use it. Yeah. So, and we also have the skid steers. A lot of people are liking them to use the skid steers in the house mm. as well too. Yeah.
1: So I know the farmers know this, but out of curiosity for our audience, these big pieces of equipment, does that stuff have to get delivered by you guys to the farm, or do they do they have the means to...
7: Some farmers come pick up their stuff, but, yes, we have a fleet that, that can deliver it to your property as well.
1: Okay. Yep. And and what if a farmer, a customer, wants to actually see the equipment? Is there demo equipment that's uh, at the stores?
7: So, uh, depending on what they're wanting to demo, yes. yeah, D- They could get with their local salesman and definitely either see one. Some of our locations have the space to demo it there, mm-hmm. so that can happen with poultry equipment a lot of our producers uh can get a demo done with their local salesman
1: yeah, so, yeah. uh the way that that uh, the the innovation and in technology has just infused the farming industry is fascinating to me especially when it comes to this very sophisticated equipment mm-hmm. and when you look inside one of those things it doesn't look like you're you're on a farm implement Uh, or a tractor it looks more like you're in the cockpit of a modern jetliner
7: it it does uh it's what it takes to make sure that we are feeding the world and and farming um in the way that that makes the most sense for today's needs uh the the acreage that we're covering the amount of people that it takes to Cover that acreage is less than it used to be, so we've got to be on our A game, basically. And all those computers in the cab and Radical. on the planters uh, are talking to each other, and they're making that happen for the producer.
1: Yeah, and when you look in, in there, folks, it's just panes of glass, is what it is. Honestly, it's pretty neat.
7: And screens and, yeah. and lots of uh, well, that's what I mean—the glass screens, yeah, <laughs> glass screens, and <laughs> glass glass windows. But yeah, it's it is amazing. And if you don't have any idea of what you know, our producers in the large ag world as well is here. A lot of these kids here today grow up on farms that may be poultry farms or they may just be smaller farms. Come down. There's a lot of people that can educate you on what it takes to uh, bring food to the table.
1: It's truly incredible. Of course, whereas maybe the, uh, the more... Uh, listen, I'm watching Secretary of State Michael Watson looking at our camera here. Come on! <laughs> the, you know, folks that have been doing this a while, like me, that are on up there in, in uh, age, they have to get kind of acclimated to this. But the next generation, such as those that are uh, showing these animals here today, they sort of expect this. They, they already come into this expecting they're going to have that kind of technology at their disposal.
7: Well, they've grown up with it, uh, and and it's it's... A necessary thing for the next generation to be aware of it, to use it, and use it properly. No doubt. Um, to, to continue the, the legacy that yeah. we're leaving them.
1: Uh, how many locations do you have? Where are they?
7: We have 16. We have 12 here in Mississippi. Okay. And we have uh, four in Arkansas.
1: And that and it's important to, to be uh, relatively close to where your customers are
7: yes we are um, we have 16 locations we are dedicated to making sure that after you purchase that equipment that you have the part service uh, support that you need because that's just as important as purchasing equipment
1: absolutely yeah. uh, John Deere the world leader in this industry
7: yes yes it's, it's true yeah We've been around for a long time. We're the only tractor company headquartered here in the US and that's important because your dollar stays here in the US and I think in today's world that, that should matter when you come to purchase equipment. No doubt. Even if it's for your smaller property, um, you're supporting not only a dealer, but you're you're keeping your money here in the US.
1: No doubt. Great American company. Yeah. Yep. All right, Jamie. Appreciate you coming on and giving us uh, more information about Ag Up and the great John Deere equipment that these farmers need to be productive and be prosperous. Thank you. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're stepping aside for a break right here. It is the top of the hour on Midday's Hour Two in the books. Hour Three gets kicked off after Fox News and Super Talk News. When we come back, it's Mississippi Agriculture and Commerce Commissioner Andy Gibson. Stay with us. welcome back everyone midday super top Mississippi back with you the element Wealth Studios relocated today to the Mississippi trademark for the Dixie national sale of junior champions as we rock into the third hour of middays we've got um the Secretary of the Agriculture and Commerce, the Commissioner, pardon me, Thank not you. <laughs> I
6: just promoted you. No
1: problem. <laughs> USDA has got a secretary. That's think. right. That's right. Uh, Andy Gibson is our guest. So, Commissioner, you were just sharing before we came on. It's a busy time of year for you, and I, I, I have no
9: doubt. This is one of my busiest. I think it is the busiest time of year for me. We'll have two hundred thousand people through here on the fairgrounds for the Dixie Na- all the Dixie National events. A lot more than just <laughs> the sale and the rodeo. It's, it's basically become a two-month event down here, so it's, it's it keeps us hopping in January and February. What a great draw for it's the state great, of It's a huge economic development impact. I mean, you, you're probably well over $20 million economic impact just having this event in Mississippi. And it could be anywhere, but it is the largest rodeo east of the Mississippi River and a livestock show, and it's in Mississippi, and we're very proud of that.
1: No doubt. And we should also be proud, uh, thanks to a, a great extent to your uh, efforts, sir, and your office uh, of the great complex that we have here now with the trademark, the Coliseum, the renovated Coliseum, this beautiful trademark, and of course our equestrian
9: center. Hey, we're very thankful for it. We appreciate the legislature's support. They, this was a desperate need. Uh, former Commissioner Cindy Hyde Smith saw the need for the trademark, and uh, we were able to get it built. And then the, the legislature funded the Coliseum improvements. The only thing we really lack now is a, a, a modern livestock and horse facility of the size that we need to keep having these kind of shows we're operating out of barns were built in 1953 they're 70 years old this year and it's time for an upgrade so we're, we're, we're talking to the legislature about that need and we're hopeful i mean at the end of the day it's about youth development but it's also economic development sure we do it all right here at the fairgrounds
1: yeah well uh, of course again the exposure that the state of mississippi gets when people come through here and, and they we want them to see it our best and it, yeah i would agree that that those uh, those facilities those structures look like they're in, in they've seen better some, days i yeah, mean cy
9: corley Psy- was the commissioner when they built them in 53 and There's only so much you can do, and it would cost a whole lot more to try to rehab them than to build some new ones. Yeah. You know, that's the kind of thing. we. I'm thinking about the next 70 years. That's what we have to do. Uh, Look, I just signed a contract to keep the Dixie National in Mississippi for the next three or four years. So uh, we have to keep – on top of these things, for facilities wise, so we have the, the ability to have these kind of national shows. It's it's really a global show. We got cowboys coming here from I think four different countries. That's compete. awesome. It's uh, right here in yeah. Mississippi. So let's
1: talk about the uh, the sale of champions. It, it's so. I I think just um, refreshing, rewarding, Uh, other words you could use to describe it
9: to see these youngsters get involved. It is. And my remarks just now to this packed standing room only crowd, uh, these are families, these are buyers, these are supporters and donors, business people. These are the leaders of Mississippi. And I told them, everybody knows our greatest problem in Mississippi is brain drain. It's the young people going to other states. This is the solution. And it is a growing program. Program. These kids are rooted and planted here. They're growing up here. They're learning to go to school, and they're also working, raising these animals and showing them and demonstrating character and the tenacity to keep on going no matter what, COVID or whatever else. The farms have got to keep going. The kids have got to keep raising that livestock. And they have proven it. And so today we get to reward them at the Sale of Champions for raising the best of the best. And I told them, this is this is the solution for Brain Drank, keeping these young people involved. We've actually expanded our shows to now include rabbit shows and chicken shows <laughs> because you have a lot of suburban kids that don't live on a farm, but they yeah. still want to have 4-H, FFA involvement. And so we've had more people participating in these shows statewide today than we've ever had.
1: Yeah, and, it, and it's so important, I think, to teach and pass down the values of responsibility and, and honoring commitments and, and working as a team and working hard and understanding that you get rewarded when that happens That's in right. a merit-based society. And I think we're seeing so many
9: threats to that concept. You're right. One of the young people who spoke, we had two scholarship recipients speak. The young lady who spoke said that her greatest lesson through all this was not just the successes but the failures. Sure. That you know there were some difficulties and some animals that didn't quite make the cut. and But, but learning to handle that and yet to keep going. So... You know, you, you've got to persevere through the failures and the challenges, and that's what these youth are learning, and we are so thankful. They're, they're our greatest asset in Mississippi, the, the 4-H and the FFA youth. And they're from every county, all 82 counties, from DeSoto County to the Gulf Coast, Rankin County, and all in between right here at the state fairgrounds for the sale of champions.
1: And, you know, as is, is, is you're Uh, very familiar with sir that uh, farming and the agriculture industry in general has become very
9: sophisticated highly technical it's not grabbing a hole and scratching in the dirt anymore it's getting a computer program or an app and you're testing how much fertilizer to apply to this square foot of ground that's how precision agriculture has become and these young people are the ones who know how to do it yeah Yeah, uh, now us older folks we can learn how but it's a whole lot more Of a lift for for me to learn how to run those programs and modern day knuckle booms, timber harvesting. They're actually harvesting timber in Mississippi now, cutting logs to specifications in the woods based on the orders of buyers across the other side of the world. Unbelievable. And and then load them on a truck and ship them over there. We are the cutting edge of technology and agriculture. We have fewer farmers than ever, but it's still the biggest industry and it's still the biggest employer in our state.
1: But I think the fact that we have fewer farmers but we're still producing more uh, is a testament to the productivity improvements and the gains we've had as a result of all this innovation technology. Technology.
9: We've had three years back-to-back record production in Mississippi, uh, even during the – pandemic. We, When I first took office, I think agriculture farm gate value was about $6.7 billion. Today it's $9.7 billion. It has grown every year because of that very thing. The, the new technology, the perseverance, the taking the lumps, but keep on keeping on, and our farmers will be commended for producing uh, really the, the backbone of our state economy. Agriculture. Yeah. Something that uh, certainly concerning to
1: me, and I think many Americans in, in a and I suspect you as well, is uh, some of the actions and and the, the goals and the agenda of our federal government, which seems to just uh, want to invade our farming industry yeah. and insert itself in the middle of that in
9: a way that I don't think is going to uh, benefit the citizens. Well. I actually have the responsibility and duty to interface with the EPA, just as one example, and other federal agencies. And I'm telling you, I have seen it firsthand. There are bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. who want to do what Europe has done and make it practically illegal to farm. I mean, Europe has adopted, the European Union has adopted regulations that have cut off their ability to produce their own food. Unbelievable. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. And now they're trying to buy food from us and other parts of the world. And their farmers have nothing to do anymore because they can't produce based on the regulations. Let me tell you something, Jordan, you know it too. There are people with that mindset who are in control in Washington, D.C. right now. No doubt. It's frightening to me. Netherlands is an example.
1: A prime example. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. New Zealand. Yep. Crazy things they're doing. It's like, I don't know where they think we get the food we eat to live. Yeah. yeah. So what's good is it to protect the planet if the humans can't survive?
9: Die. That's right. Not not only humans, but, uh, you know, the rest of the the world needs food, uh, animals, wildlife, all of that. You cut off agriculture, you end all of that. Right. So I don't understand uh, what you can't eat plastic and you you can't eat concrete. And uh, uh, the bottom line is we have to be on guard, especially now with this Biden administration. And if we can survive the next few years, (laughs) hopefully months, till we have a new administration. I was commissioner under the Trump administration and under the Biden administration, and it is night and day. I'm sure. They put so many regulations in place. There's one right now to ban rat poison rat poison by homeowners. To to this to make it illegal for a homeowner or a farmer to buy rat poison because somehow the rat will eat it and go out in the woods and the eagle or something will eat it and die. That's that is actually happening in america right now well
1: they ought to be worried about the windmills that are killing eagles yeah and the uh <laughs> that are out uh, on the shores up in the northeast that yeah. are uh, interfering with the, the
9: fishing industry yeah. i talked to them the other day i said i'm gonna be filing comments with y'all we we declaring war on rats in mississippi we're we, we not we're not going to take this line down but you, you uh, the rodent population uh, Is something that we have to. I never thought we'd be talking to the EPA about, but it uh, looks like we're going to have to because, you know, you just have people who have not they not lived in the real world. They've definitely not lived on the farm, uh, and they definitely hadn't lived in Mississippi to understand, you know, the things we have to do to keep our food production going. And uh, we're going to be fighting, pushing back on that.
1: Like you said, we got to hang on. Yeah, that's <laughs> didn't right. Make a change yeah, we desperately need it. Right. Right. Commissioner, appreciate you coming on, sir. Congratulations on uh, what appears to be an,
9: another successful Dixie National and all the other uh-uh. adjunct events. Y'all come on out to the rodeo. We kick it off Friday night. Mike Mathis is going to tell you more about it. I'm sure,
1: and he'll be on next. Mike Mathis, the voice of the Dixie National Rodeo. Stay tuned. Midday's is at the Mississippi Trademark. We're coming right back.
9: It's so lonely, baby. baby. Well, they're so lonely. They'll
2: be so lonely they could die. And now, the talk
0: that keeps Mississippi talking. now, now answer the real part.
6: Dino Mike
0: on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: everyone to midday super talk mississippi live from the mississippi trademark for the 2023 dixie national sale of junior champions that's what we're here for this beautiful facility joining us now is mike mathis voice of the dixie national rodeo mike good to see you again sir good morning it's great to be here all right so we got a big rodeo plan folks here we do indeed all over the country and the commissioner just informed we got folks from outside of our nation as well, that have traveled here to Mississippi for the big Dixie National. You bet. They, uh, You
10: know, the, uh, the this event is one that's uh, hard to put your arms around for all that it encompasses and does. Right in there, right now, that sale of champions is uh, kind of helping out some youngsters, culminate a hard year of work. But the rodeo, this year there's 730-plus men and women that are entered up here. They, uh, I think if my calculation is correct, we touch about uh, 38 states, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and Brazil uh, as far as uh, our competitors. So an international contest here. So you're going to see some of the best in the world of rodeo matched against uh, the best livestock in the country. And uh, Roy Lim and his team, they uh, put together to kind of handpick what's happening there. To keep the tradition of uh, what people have come to expect here, and that is the best of the best, and this is this is truly an amazing rodeo. Right, the the largest on this side of the Mississippi River, correct? Yes, sir. The largest PRCA rodeo east of the Mississippi, and it will uh, also track to a whole lot of one of the biggest to go off the west side of it as well. Yeah. This year they they have doubled the added money. Uh, it is ten thousand dollars an event. So eighty thousand is added to start before these guys put their entry fees in, and when you do, you're talking about something that's in excess of one hundred and fifty thousand dollar purse that'll be
1: here. Wow, you know I, I've been several times. It's it's always enjoyable, and but what what's uh, most impressive? These folks, they are athletes, is what they are, and they're they're extremely good athletes that practice their craft they come here they take great pride in it Uh, but there's also a camaraderie that exists between the competitors among the competitors
10: one of the most amazing fraternities in the world and uh, these guys are all uh, their friends their acquaintances their people who pull for each other but you know you're right Uh, it has gotten uh, you know I've seen it over the years that 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 cowboy bro- bravado is still there, but by the same token, these guys really are athletes, and most of them have come through not only a school program, but they've also been a part of of high school and college. And uh, you know, this rodeo system now uh, it breeds this set of professional athletes, mm-hmm. and uh, these guys
1: they are amazingly good. It's ama- it is amazing uh, when you watch them and and you sort of think in your head, put yourself in their shoes. <laughs> you realize, no, that's pretty special to be able to do that. The bulk of these guys are gym rats, yeah. and uh, uh,
10: they they have workout routines. They they take care of what they do, and they know that you know this is a, a somewhat of a fleeting moment. I right. mean, these guys in the rough stock side, you know theirs can can basically be over every time they nod their head, and their their window is pretty short. The uh, time to event guys have a little longer. But by the same token, it's still uh, uh, it works better and easier when you have when that youth is on your side.
1: Yeah, sure. So, any particular events that are your favorite uh, over the years, Mike?
10: Oh, I guess from from doing this for so long, you know, I, I love the saddle bronc riding. Uh, it uh, is one that is kind of rodeo. It uh, depicts a lot of talent, a lot of style. Uh, you see, when you match great horses and cowboys, it's just hard to beat. Uh, but you know, I'm uh, infatuated with most with most all of them. The bareback riding is just, you know, it's the most demanding thing. you've can do to your body uh, that that drop and jerk with that one <laughs> arm in the rigging. I can promise you now, it will it will straighten out all the wrinkles you've got uh, inside and out. Yes, right? sir. And uh, you know the bull riding is in itself uh, as as dangerous as it gets when you. It's a little like the bronc riding in some respects. When you when you get that really great bull that fits your style and your way, you know it's really there's not much to it. But yeah. all the ones in between, there's a lot to it. Yeah, no doubt about it. Mike, how long have you been uh, doing this? Well, I've been announcing rodeos. Uh, I guess uh, close to forty years. How'd you get so, into the? Oh, I tell you what. Uh, you know, I always attempted to rodeo, rode bulls and bareback horses. Went to college at Stephen F. Austin. It was on the rodeo team there, which goes to show you, poor Stephen F. Austin did not have a very good rodeo team. <laughs> Come and <on> now. <laughs> uh, you know, after getting out of out of college, I realized that making a living in the rodeo business, uh, uh, riding was not going to be one of my uh, opportunities. And just through luck, uh, some friends at Steiner's uh, uh, big rodeo company in Texas, and they. Uh, were friends of mine. I rodeoed with Billy Tom, the oldest boy, and uh, they uh, they just kind of helped me kind of get a start to started. And from there, the Harper Morgan, James, and Ralph gave me some opportunities, and just got lucky in the right place at the right time a few a few times.
1: And uh, from there on, have been able to kind of fill a a career, right. Well, it's awesome. You do a fantastic job, and and honestly, it's worth going to the rodeo just to hear hear Mike announce. Uh, and, and you got to be quick. You got to know what you're talking about, and and you understand it at, at such a detailed level. And I think that just in, enhances uh, your ability to announce. And and uh, I, I know it's a treat for the people that attend. Uh, not everybody gets to do what they really love. I do, uh, so you know to be
10: able to. To be a part of rodeo at this level, especially to see it, say it, and get to be a part
1: of these great events, uh, I've been pretty lucky. That's yes, no doubt, and uh, and it's appreciated that you're using your talent in this fashion. What do you think about the facilities here? Oh, will tell you what,
10: they just get bigger and better. I mean, you know, you and I are here enjoying this trademark. Uh, you know, it's a long way from where we were across the street no when doubt. they were having the sale there, and no doubt. And you know, now this thing does so many things, and they they will have, you know, the 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 trademark here opened during the rodeo. There will be some great exhibits here. Uh, They're having a sale of champions in here this morning. They're able to come straight out of there and get pictures made in the arena. You know, this thing just folds into doing so many special things. And I tell you, the legislature here did an amazing job when they stepped up and did this. You know, hats off to all the people that were a part. Uh, It was a a dream of our then commissioner, Cindy Hyde-Smith. Yeah. Uh, now, Senator, beautiful mm-hmm. job she did, and and of course, uh, stepping right behind that is Commissioner Andy Gibson to help make sure this did happen, mm-hmm. and uh, it's uh, it's truly something
1: to be proud of. And the commissioner informs that this thing, this this venue is booked up yeah. for the rest of the year, and that's that's the amazing thing. And just like this, there's a
10: you know people think about the Dixie National, they think about the rodeo, right? But actually, this is a month long event. And we talked about people from all over. There are people from all over Mississippi, all over the country that come here, whether it's the cow shows, the rodeo, the the quarter horse show. And, you know, from an economic impact here, mm-hmm. it's pretty amazing what the Dixie National is a part of for a month here in Mississippi, and uh, those those are the things that really make a place like this worthwhile.
1: No doubt about it, and it's it's great that Mississippi, with this facility, the renovation uh, of the Coliseum, of course, the Equestrian Center, uh, really puts our best foot forward for people to see. It truly
10: does. And, uh, over the next month, it'll be used hard, and the, and the other good thing is that, as the commissioner said, now it's going to be used hard the rest of the year. Yeah, there, there are venues and things that will happen in here that, you know, they never they never considered would or could. Uh, they're not only only would and can; they are. Yeah. So it's a it's a pretty amazing deal.
1: What a step up from the other facility, which served the state well yes, for, for his time period, but it was time to uh, to upgrade.
10: And, you know, any time that the legislature or any government agency spends money, people, uh, they cringe or talk about it. But, you know this has a direct repayment to the state of Mississippi in Jackson
1: this is producing a return and when uh, and again if it weren't being utilized it would call it into question but when the commissioner informs this thing's booked up uh, yeah. and, and that was he told me that a couple of months ago so it's probably already yeah. into 2024 for its bookings at this point so you know the taxpayers are getting uh, the return and it's producing value for them and uh, you never know what kind of impact it has on somebody who's given... Are grinding in their head, thinking about uh, some sort of investment or, or project, and they see this and they feel good about that. What well, this is a, a stair step to a whole
10: lot of other things, and uh, exactly, you know, any anybody, any state, any city, any group that are building and, and going forward have a way to stay in that direction. and I think this is one of the things that helps Mississippi do exactly that.
1: Absolutely, before you go, are you expecting a big turnout, big show?
10: Yes, sir. I think this year, not only the Cowboys, the, the number we have, the quality. We have the livestock to challenge them with. But also, I think our star lineup is is the best it's been yeah. in years
1: and years. Seems like it.
10: And, uh, you know, unless you're hunting a ticket to Laney Wilson, you're in good shape. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, there are still tickets available. I was by the box office before I, I got here. And uh, there's still uh, seats available for you to come and pick out what, which show you want to go to, but I would tell you that uh, this is going to be a great show from the cowboy side to the to the livestock side to the general rodeo side, to then when we drop that southern ag stage well i can promise you the folks who take it it's going to be amazing
1: we're looking forward to another successful dixie national no doubt about that mike thanks for coming on and and uh congratulations on uh your time and and performing this service for the people Ah, thank you it's awesome thank you mike mathis voice of the dixie national rodeo has been our guest we're stepping aside for a break middays is at the mississippi trademark
0: with Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk Mississippi.
6: You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain. Too much love as a man insane. You broke my winds what one or three. Girl in this gear wreck balls of fire. Honey, you love all the money. You keep it on
1: me. Honey, I can't help but think about Top Gun when I hear that. Maverick and Goose. <laughs> Let's see on the ceasefire text line. We do have some text rolling in today. 86 Dems in the U.S. House voted against a bill to not stop socialism. Can't remember the name of the bill, but that should tell you something. I'm not a gloom and doom soothsayer, but loves God, and the Word of God is the roadmap that's telling people to clean their houses because everything as we know it is about to change drastically. World War 3 on the horizon. Well, so, uh, let's, uh let's review it was a resolution to denounce socialism there is no such thing as a, as a bill that would stop socialism and in fact there's really not a consensus of exactly what is socialism so you'd, you'd, you'd have to have a whole lot of, of details to, uh, to uh, put in place I guess a piece of legislation it really is just a matter of, of public policy and what public policies some folks would deem as as um, conforming to socialism and what policies would not. So it it wasn't a bill that would, quote, stop it. It was a bill to denounce the concept. And the measure itself was, again, a, a resolution. It overwhelmingly cleared the chamber, but the majority of Democrats... 109, to be exact, voted with Republicans. 86 Democrats voted against it. 14 voted uh, present. And, it, and it's just a short three-page measure that basically says that socialist ideology necessitates a concentration of power that is time and time again collapsed into communist regimes totalitarian rule and brutal dictatorships all of which is true that's normally how uh, those forms of government become uh, real is that they start as just basic socialism which is kind of a mild form honestly of, of other ideologies First and foremost would be Communism. So this was a measure that was introduced by Representative Maria Salazar, a Republican from Florida, and she's a Cuban immigrant, as I recall. She said passing it would, quote, make a bold statement that the People's House unequivocally denounces this cruel and unjust
9: ideology.
1: But I I share the person's concerns that sent us this text that it, it is a bit telling that 86 Democrats voted against denouncing socialism and 14 voted present. So a total of 100, nearly half of the Democrats in the U.S. House of Representatives refused to denounce the ideology. The system of socialism. I totally agree that that's something we should be concerned of. Now, you know, Ronnie, you've seen this before. The the retort often from Democrats and proponents of government and big government and various forms of socialism will say, "Well, we wouldn't have any roads and bridges without socialism." And I guess you think that the police and and fire protection. Or socialism. And and they kind of hijack what uh, the intent of the message is and and really sort of um, exaggerate what socialism is and what the true risks of more embedded uh, socialism are. And and it really is an economic system is what has to be is the lens through which it has to be viewed versus capitalism and and as as an economic system it just means that the, the government that people who are in charge have the ability to plan the economy they determine the means and amount of production of goods and services that that really is more the classic definition of socialism and, of course, there are many in, in Washington, in the Congress, in particular in the House, that completely support that idea of government central planning. They possess the unmitigated hubris, honestly, to think that they are more qualified to manage a $23 trillion economy than, are, than is the market. Which consists of buyers and sellers, producers of goods and services, they believe that they are more qualified to do so, so it is it was obviously more for show than anything else that the Republicans introduced this this um, this measure, this resolution just to get Democrats on the record as to where they stand. I don't know that any of us were confused about that, and more disturbing is the fact that it likely won't have too much of an impact in the next election or future election cycles that they, most of these representatives that did not vote to denounce socialism come from districts where they'll be just fine which is kind of sad when you think about it but what an interesting time we live in for sure when you think about such a a bill that uh, can't get universal vote in my my view Um, there was also a story coming out of Virginia related to this which seems to be the ground zero for all the radical stuff going on in this country with respect to education in particular so a Virginia school board member appointed by Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin was ousted. She did not get her nomination was actually pulled as not being qualified. That was just a, a week ahead of her confirmation hearing. It had to be confirmed by the assembly in Virginia. And it's because she spoke out in defense of the Declaration of Independence and said that socialism was quote very destructive. Now, this particular appointee is named Suparna Dutta of Fairfax, Virginia, and immigrated into this country from, uh, I think, her family from India. And she says, I came from a country which used to be more socialistic now than it is, but it creates dearth dependency and depression. I agree. And so because of that, she... Her nomination has been pulled. This is crazy. It turns out that one of the most outspoken outspoken board members against against Miss Duta is Ann Holton, who is married to Democrat Senator Tim Kane. That was Hillary's running mate, right, Rhino? Tim Kane? Virginia? Said she was "...uncomfortable calling the Declaration of Independence and Constitution remarkable documents without also acknowledging that they contain fundamental flaws." Well, there's your problem right there. (laughs) Pretty much. You think about things that threaten democracy, which is a refrain we hear rather consistently from the Democrats, Of course, to the Democrats, having to show an ID that proves you are who you are before you can vote is a threat to democracy. But to me, when you consider our founding documents, which which are the foundation of our laws and our legal system and our economic systems in this country, when you're calling those into question and describing them as flawed, sure does seem like it'd be pretty hard to make any progress beyond that. That, in in fact, is a threat to democracy. That's a threat. When you start question our very founding, our very roots, that doesn't ever get discussed. It doesn't appear in that context. I don't see it a lot. But that's the absolute truth. If you question the founding and if you describe and hold everything in our past is just evil and wicked and unfair and flawed how in the world can we move forward and is this what you want to teach to kids more importantly hey this Declaration of Independence and this Constitution who many would argue I would be among them the most magnificent remarkable documents ever produced by humans if you're questioning that and you're teaching in the classroom that these are deeply flawed well what chance do you have of of those youngsters growing up to be productive adults if you're teaching them to hate the very founding of the country i don't see how that produces positive outcomes for the nation acknowledging the stains of our past And and that we reckon with those, absolutely, that is fair game and should be taught, should be shared in the classroom, that should be part of their education. But just to write off the country, its founding and our 200 plus years, it's, it's just all bad and worthless in their view and needing abrupt change is wrong. We're coming right back with Jamie Swaffer, the marketing manager of Ag Up Equipment. Stay with us.
0: You know what that means. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. We'll do it live. On Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Is back, and we are in the Element Well Studios, live from the Mississippi Trademark. Today is where we are, and we're down here for the sale of Champions Remote. Joining us now is uh, Jamie Swafford, the marketing manager of Ag Up Equipment. So. You made any sales out there yet, Jane?
7: Oh, at least a dozen.
1: <laughs> I know you're working on. It, it is an impressive display when Thank you come you. in the door here. It Thank really you. is. It's well. It's well done.
7: We appreciate and it. And
1: I see people climbing among the uh, uh, the big old pieces of equipment, and it's. It's so impressive.
7: Thank you. We uh, we try to bring a representation of all of our equipment down here because we have obviously everyone loves the big stuff. It's, it's awesome. It's cool. It, and, it, it uh, really is cool. But we also have a lot of people that need uh, compact utility tractors for smaller properties, and we have those. And so, yeah, we those are we
1: popular, can't. and they're really neat too.
7: They are popular. Uh, they are they're. I call them the Swiss Army knife of tractors because you can do so much with them, and they're just so versatile. They're they're little workhorses, is what they are. Yeah. I love them. I I would I would have one of each one if I could. Oh, it's, it's value, yeah. And it, um, it's it's a tractor company that's here in the U.S. We started here. We're always here, so your money stays here.
1: I got you. Well, and that's important, uh, certainly, and John Deere, of course, is, has been around a long time mm-hmm. and a great American company, and, and they are helping the, the backbone of our economy, which is the American farmer, yeah. and it's a major part of the economy here in the state of Mississippi. Tell again, 16 locations? 16 locations. 12 in Mississippi? 12
7: in Mississippi, from Poplarville up to, I think, Lexington, maybe, considered our northernmost. And, yeah. Um, four stores in Arkansas.
1: Yeah, awesome. Yeah. you thinking about expanding out beyond that? Oh, uh, I'm not
7: going to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: it was a fair question.
7: It is a fair question. Um, <laughs> I, that's above my pay grade to answer okay. that. So all right.
1: Well... well. And things are going well, you said last things
7: night, are so. going well, but we are we are excited for spring because we've got inventory um, everything from you know the smaller mowers for an acre property all the way up to the large commercial mowers we're starting to see those arrive and we have lots of compact utility tractors this year for you to choose from, which I, I mean I have. I, I live on a couple acres, and, and it's the 3E tractor is my favorite tractor of all the tractors because anyone can use it, anybody. It's, it's a hydrostatic, and it's just so simple, and you don't have to ask your husband to do anything. <laughs> Gotcha. So, so you can do it all yourself.
1: Gotcha. Very, yeah. very cool. Uh, and, and so you—you you made a point that I—I I, I caught there. So you have inventory. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we
7: have inventory. So
1: that's—you uh, said in the last segment that many of the supply c- uh, chain constraints have been alleviated. So you're a lot yeah, better. Yeah, we're starting there. to see
7: that loosen up, and things things that are starting to come in. Now there might be one or two things that that you may not can get. Like they may not be on the lot, but it won't won't be long.
1: Yeah. Understand. Makes perfect sense. Well, yeah. Jamie, been very informative. And folks out there, if you're in the market for some great John Deere equipment, us. it's Aga. It's Aga. Come see us. Yeah, you guys yep. do a great job. Well, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, Jamie. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for having us. Yep. Yeah. Well, we're out of time here today. It is middays. We're in the Mississippi Trademark, but back tomorrow at Super Talk headquarters, we're moving the Element Wealth Studios a bit north of here for the show tomorrow. We hope you enjoyed it today. Until then, Stay safe and God bless everyone.